Welcome to our Daily Inspiration Podcast. As Inspire Church is walking through a 30-day rule of life, whether you are participating fully or just listening, we hope you are blessed. Inspire Church, what is up? It's Pastor Philip again, and I have a surprise guest speaker with me. You want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. It is Jamila. Yes, it's my <laughs> wife. We just put the baby to sleep. Well, he's not a baby. Yeah, he's a big boy now. He's grown, but he's sleeping, and now uh, we have some time to talk about fasting. We're going to do something a little different today. Uh, we are going to uh, review, well, maybe not review, but we're going to talk about some excerpts from the book Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. If you're a Christian, this is considered a classic. Uh, Hopefully, after we kind of share some thoughts from the chapter on fasting, uh, that would encourage you to go and purchase this book as it talks about a wide array of spiritual disciplines. Anyways, it's been amazing, babe. How was your overall thoughts on this chapter? I think that, um, at least from my experience, I definitely grew up with a tradition of fasting, you know, after, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, but no one really taught me, like, how to fast. Right. It was just you were expected to fast. Sometimes the church did, like, a church-wide fast. Right. But it was really kind of left to you to figure it out. And this book really does a good job of being very practical and giving you, you know, background in, in fasting, but also how to do it correctly. <laughs> right. And so for that reason, I think it's such a, a great resource for any Christian who wants to really fast properly. You know? Yeah. So pick up this book, talks about prayer, talks about studying of scripture, um, a lot of the rhythms and disciplines that we're working on. And so right off the bat, Richard Foster gives us two reasons why this rhythm of fasting seems to be ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't come from maybe a traditional church, then maybe you haven't heard a lot about fasting, or maybe it's just something that is kind of buried somewhere in the ancient disciplines, but mm-hmm. not for today. And so just I'm going to share a couple of things that Richard Foster tells us right off of the top. Two reasons he gives why, uh, two reasons why he, he tells us that fasting is probably ignored in our times. The number one thing he says is that fasting has developed a bad reputation as being something extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he says that's something that only extremists do. And he he actually cites, you know, the uh, um, <coughs> the medieval times when, you know, fasting was... Uh, um, not only would they fast, but I mean, these guys would castrate themselves. They would literally seek out harm. They, you know, these guys would walk around whipping themselves. And so kind of fasting was placed in that category as extreme. And, uh, one of the things that Richard Foster says was, you know, the focus really turned outward. Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do to myself to inflict more pain? And, and that would bring glory to God. And, 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 and one of the things that he said is that uh, when the focus is outward, when it becomes extreme and it becomes outward, it becomes devoid of spiritual power. Mm. And so, you know, it, it, fasting is something that's ancient. It's something that's extreme. The extremists did it in the medieval times. And so, you know, it really um, becomes something that us modern Christians kind of relegate to 
um, the sidelines. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, babe, as we, as we say that? <laughs> um, you know, I think that could be attractive for some people who like the extreme, right? You know, it's kind of like, I'm going to put myself through this rigorous, you know, physical deed to, you know, make people think I'm really, you know, <laughs> super spiritual or, you know, that I'm so dedicated to this, you know, I'm going to just put myself to the test, you know. So for some, that extreme kind of idea could be attractive. Right. Not just kind of negative. Right. I'm gl- and I'm glad you talked. I think for the most, though... Yeah. This is why fasting has been avoided. But you're right. There are some that are listening like, well, I'm going to do the extreme. You know? And I know some of you. <laughs> I, we could probably call you out by name. And so, um, again, um, there, there's almost this Pharisaic, right, fasting and praying to be seen. And so uh, – uh, but but for the most part, fasting in our culture has, at least for religious purposes, have seemed extreme. And then a secondary reason why he says uh, fasting has been ignored is because – I love this. Cultural propaganda has convinced us that if we don't have three large meals a day Mm. with several snacks in between, we are on the verge of starvation. Uh, um, And so, uh, you know, this combined with the belief uh, that satisfying every human appetite is a virtue has kind of created an entire culture of Christians who don't even think about fasting. Um, and, and, you know, I, for one, know that. In fact, the other night I was full. Uh, I had eaten a late lunch and uh, you came to me and had made some dinner suggestions. And although I wasn't hungry, uh, I just wanted to eat because that's what we do. We eat three meals a day. And and so anyways, uh, any thoughts on that cultural propaganda that convinces us we need three meals and snacks? Yeah. Otherwise, we are starving. <laughs> You know, it made me think of uh, Pastor Roger's last message when he talked about just, we have a foodie culture. Right. And so we just delight in food and mass quantities, delicious, savory, (laughs) sweet, decadent. Right. Um, It's, you know, we definitely bought into that culturally. Like, that's what we deserve. That's what we, you know, it's our treat for working so hard. And, right. you know, after a pandemic, you know, <laughs> I think I fell into, definitely fell into some of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all, I think we all, uh, some of us might have gained that COVID-19 and it was comforting and, you know, food was a treat while you were locked in your house. And so we can definitely, we can definitely see that taking place. In fact, uh, one of the things in uh, Richard Foster's kind of opening lines that I'm scrolling to right now that I think was really provocative, um, he says, um, he says this, he says, in a culture where the landscape is dotted with shrines to the golden arches and an assortment of pizza temples, fasting seems out of place and out of step. Um, I just thought that was just a really, uh, that's a, a, an intense visual. Well, let's jump in. Um, babe, why don't you um, maybe pick a quote mm-hmm. from this chapter? Maybe you can read it loudly to everybody who is with us, whether you are driving or you're at home or you're doing running an errand or chores or whatnot. We're going to read some quotes from this chapter and and uh, hopefully spark and inspire you as we are journeying through this these rhythms of life in which we're praying, we're reading, we're seeking God, but we're also fasting on Wednesday. So why don't you go ahead and uh, read us a quote that stood out to you? Okay, let's see here. 
Okay, so here's one. To use good things to our own ends is always the sign of false religion. Wow. How easy it is to take something like fasting and try to use it to get God to do what we want. At times, there is such a stress upon the blessings and benefits of fasting that we would be tempted to believe that with a little fast, we could have the world, including God, eating out of our hands. Wow, that's deep. Why don't you uh, talk about why that was impactful for you? That was impactful for me because I think, I believe that was the point of fasting for the first, you know, eight years of my 16 years of salvation, mm. <laughs> where, you know, I'm fasting with the end being something that I want. Right. You know, is this the right job? Is this the right place to be? Um, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I study this? Should I be with this person? Mm. It's all, uh, it was a means to an end in right. terms of getting God to either push me in a certain direction or con- or persuade him in some way by my my you know commitment to fasting and not mm-hmm. eating is going to compel him to give me something that I want. Right. Uh, sounds immature, like when I say it out loud, but very much, I very much believe that I would get what I wanted right. from God right. if I didn't eat right. for a you know set period of time. Yeah. No, that's good. That's and that's really what legalism and moralism is. Is it? It's attracting God's favor by. You know, it's like bargaining. Well, if I do this, then you will do this. Almost a genie in the bottle. And and though it comes off pious mm-hmm. because you're fasting, right. the reality is it's selfish. Um, and I think that's uh, I think that's really uh, uh, true. There's an important point to make in in this section on the purpose of fasting. Uh, uh, Foster does make. A distinguishment between primary reasons and mm-hmm. secondary reasons. Mm-hmm. Yes, so there are reasons mm-hmm. why people fast, right? right? I mean, you know, uh, uh, we'll talk about this maybe, you know, someone's health is declining. Right. Uh, you know, Great Britain fasted. Richard Foster talked about how, uh, I forget what king it was, but he called a nationwide fasting, mm. right? Uh, because they were, you know, they were, they were facing an enemy. And so, you know, the, the, but, but Foster, and this is what you're talking about, Jimmy, which is really true. Foster talks about there's a, a secondary reasons, but the primary reason is um, fasting is so that we could be centered on God. Um, if our fasting is not unto God, we have failed. Right. And so um, I think that um, that's just a really important thing to um, to consider. So you talked about early on fasting kind of being something you did when you needed something. But talk about now that's transitioned to fasting is what is it for you now as you are experiencing it? You know, especially now with the church doing, you know, our 30 days, you know, of prayer and fasting for me, it's been about my relationship with the Lord, my connection with the Lord, finding satisfaction and time with him. Um, you know, I mean, as simple as that sounds, you know, slowing down enough so that I can connect with him um, has been an exercise in itself. And so for me, fasting, and it's exciting in its simplicity because it's really not simple, you know, when you are 
starting to get those hunger pangs and you kind of want to cheat a little bit and to say, you know, when I feel these hunger pains, I'm going to use it as a reminder mm. um, that I'm pursuing you uh, during this, this time, but especially on this Wednesday when um, I'm foregoing food, not for you to bless me, but for me to touch you mm. and for you to know I'm committed and serious about making this connection. Yeah, that's really good. And I think when we see uh, the primary purpose of fasting abiding in the vine, right? Like right. just being with Jesus, it takes the attention off of fasting being this harsh suffering thing and actually invites you into pleasure mm -hmm. because the presence of Christ is pleasure. It also takes fasting from being kind of this responsive, reactionary, I'm in trouble, I need something to. Now it's this pursuit now it's this kind of, I'm pursuing the presence of Jesus. I'm not just responding to something bad happened in my life, but now it's a regular rhythm. Right. Um, and it moves from an occasional or a rare thing to a regular discipline, just like prayer. Right. Which really, we'll talk about that too, but that's fasting has been lost as a rhythm. That's not, you know, that's not something, we do that only in desperate times. Right. And I think what's important is that we see it indeed as a discipline. Um, because just in our in our own flesh, we want quick answers, quick appeasement. You know, um, we just want it when we want it. And discipline says that, you know, I'm going to train myself to just wait on the Lord. And I'm going to just, you know, trust him for, you know, whatever he's going to do on the other side of this time. But most importantly is you know, that I've made the effort to make myself available to him and um, not worry about, yeah. you know, what outcomes come from that. Because, I mean, it's always going to be a positive outcome if I spend time with the Lord, if I meditate on his word, you know, if I, you know, fight my flesh's desire to like want easy, <laughs> quick, right. um, you know, responses. Yeah. We're going to we're going to go from principles to practical. I know a lot of people have been saying they love the practical stuff. And then I'm going to come back to you with another quote. So I have yeah, a quote sure. ready. Um, I do want to say this when fasting, um, there are different ways people have fast. Traditionally, biblically, there are three ways that you can describe fasting or three different types. There is a normal fast, a partial fast and then an absolute fast. And so can I just say this, biblically and traditionally, a fast is defined as abstaining from food. Um, and I know um, Pastor Simon kind of went into that a little bit earlier this week. Um, and so I don't want to go too deep into that. But I do want to say this in the scriptures, the normal means of fasting involves abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. Um, now there are there are partial fasts. Uh, everyone knows the Daniel fast, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> in, in fact, a lot of people culturally know the Daniel fast, but they've actually never read <laughs> in Daniel like why he fasted and what the whole circumstance was there. But you know, Daniel says, "I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine." And so you know, uh, a lot of people say no meats and no sweets, right? And so that was a partial fast. So we do see partial fasts in Scripture. Uh, we see a normal fast, like I said, is abstaining from food, liquid or solid, only drinking water. But then there's also what we see in scripture, absolute fasts. Um, and absolute fasts are no food or no water. Now, again, 
Uh, Paul did this for three days. And I want you to know that the body can only go without water for three days. Like absolute fasts are rare. I think Simon even said, you yeah. you know, don't do this unless you see the presence of God. Uh, um, in fact, we see uh, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus doing this for 40 days. That was miraculous. It was supernatural. We also see Esther fasting, mm-hmm. absolute fasting. And this was time of deep desperation. The Jews were going to be... Um, it was genocide. Right. And so um, and so obviously absolute fast is a divine call. Uh, but nonetheless, there are normal and partial fasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of want to um, I want to make that um, I want to make that plain. And also, you know, for those of us that, you know, um, like our coffee or, mm-hmm. you know, like our juices and, you know, our broths. Um, uh, definitely those are great ways to start, but as you mature in your fasting, um, you know, you, you want, you want to get to this place of water only. And again, I'll, I'll take some practical steps there. I can see probably people listening outraged. This is not a law or legalism. This is grace based, not shame based, but, um, we definitely want to mortify the flesh. We want to, as we seek God in the spirit, we want to, Tell our flesh to be quiet. And um, but with that being said, we're gonna jump kind of back into a principle. Mm-hmm. Um, just wanted to give some practicals there. Um, can you talk about maybe another quote from um, Foster's book that really um, kind of stirred you? Yeah. Can I say something quick on what you just finished? Saying? Yes. Okay. Uh, I liked, like I said, this book is great because it's super duper practical. And he even, you know, makes a point if you're pregnant, if you have some kind of medical issue, diabetes or something like that, then you need to modify what fasting looks like. For right. You. So I think that's important. Sometimes people may be um, not really able to fast and therefore feel like they're disqualified. And so. Sure. Um, Love that. There is uh, ways that they can also participate in this. OK, so. Another quote that really stuck out to me in this um, chapter on fasting is this one. He says, fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. Food does not sustain us. God sustains us. In Christ, all things hold together. Colossians 1, 17. Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the word of God. Fasting is feasting. Fasting is feasting. Yes. Fasting is feasting. And so that's what I'm going to be repeating over and over (laughs) again. Yeah, I was going to say, make that your mantra. Print that out. Put that on the poster paper. (laughs) Fasting is feasting. Fasting is feasting. Yeah. And that's just a practical way of... um, remembering how important the word of God is and you know for some of us that maybe have fallen out of our you know rituals of our rhythms of reading the word regularly um, as we take steps to kind of re-emerge ourselves back into that rhythm um, taking those Wednesdays of fasting to really meditate those times when you usually would be eating a snack or or you know enjoying this delicious dessert after dinner um you know going into a a quiet place where you can just sit and just meditate on the word and really um just take in the beauty of what the word is saying and how it affects you and how it's impacting you so good 
Um, I love that you say, you know, fasting is feasting. Foster said that, and you're mm-hmm. talking about now, like, intaking the word, right? And mm-hmm. so when you see it, when you switch the paradigm from fasting to feasting, you actually, you're no longer focusing on what you're abstaining from. But you're saying, okay, I, you know, Jesus said that, right? In Deuteronomy, you know, Israel's in the wilderness and they learned mm-hmm. that God sustained them. And then Jesus says that too, when he's in the wilderness, yeah. the greater, the true Israel, right? right? Overcoming the wilderness temptation, the devil, Matthew. And so, uh, but one of the things you said, fasting is feasting. And, and, and then you talked about the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's when you fast, you give up food, but you fill those times with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That's, and you can literally tell yourself, I'm eating today. You know, Jesus says, I have food that you don't know of. Right. My my food is to do the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. Right? I think Foster talks about that as well. Okay. And so, you know, uh, maybe you're, you, the three times a day, you know, you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now when you fast, how about during that breakfast time, that lunch time, and that dinner time, you read the word. So when you're at work and it's time for lunch, instead of just, you know, uh, sitting down and thinking, gosh, I, I got to avoid everybody who has something that smells good. Why don't you take your Bible, open up, say, God, I am going to eat, but I'm not going to eat physically. I'm going to eat spiritually. So maybe a good practical tip is when you fast during the times that your body starts rumbling and grumbling for food, yeah. uh, maybe that's a monastic bell ringing, reminding you, hey, it's time to read your word. Right. And so just, you know, just thinking about how you talked about fasting and feasting. So we're abstaining from something, but we're also making sure that we're not, you know, okay, we're not going to eat, but then I'm not doing anything else all day. It's like, no, like I'm filling myself up with, um, with um, the good gift of God's word that sustains us. Yeah. Right. So um, that's good. Uh, I want to read something here that uh, is an excerpt from this chapter, um, and I'm just going to read it to you guys, and then, babe, I'll give you a chance to kind of respond to some of the things, and then we'll just talk about maybe a, a quick little testimony on what fasting is for us, and then we'll finish the podcast and everyone get to work or wherever they need to be. <laughs> but uh, Richard Foster says this, the following was written by an individual who, as an experiment, had committed himself to fast once a week for two years. Notice the progression from the superficial aspects of fasting toward the deeper rewards. Mm. Number one, he writes in his journal, I felt it a great accomplishment to go a whole day without food. Congratulated myself on the fact that I found it so easy. (laughs) Number two, began to see that the above was hardly the goal of fasting. Was helped in this by beginning to feel hunger. Number three, began to relate the food fast to other areas of my life where I was more compulsive. I did not have to have a seat on the bus to be content or to be cool in the summer and warm when it was cold. Number four, reflected more on Christ's sufferings and the suffering of those who are hungry and have hungry babies. Wow. Mm. Number five. Six months after beginning the fast discipline, I began to see why a two-year period has been suggested. The experience changes along the way. Hunger on fast days became acute and the temptation to eat stronger. For the first time, I was using the day to find God's will for my life. Began to think about what it meant to surrender one's life. Number six. I now know that prayer and fasting must be intricately bound together. There is no other way. And yet that way is not yet combined in me. 
Wow, that's deep. Someone's fast journal, the lessons that they were learning. Uh, I love how in the beginning it was, he said it's very superficial, but as he began to continue this rhythm, that superficiality actually began to lead him to deeper ponderings and thoughts on the suffering of Christ, uh, uh, the hunger in this world. People, there are many people without food. Right. Uh, um, and um, I mean, even when he said, I reflected more on Christ's sufferings, um, and those who are hungry and even hungry babies, like, wow, just you can see how that fasting began to just go deep inside of this individual who was keeping no. Any comments on that? Yeah, I um, was actually moved by that um, recounting of that story. He, t- um, Richard Foster, he right before that story he tells, um, he's basically kind of encouraging this this lifelong discipline of fasting. And so it's saying, you know, if you do like slowly work your way up and continue to do this for like two years, if you were to document it over time, you would see your view of fasting change from this maybe outward focus toward a more inward introspection uh, spiritually. And so for me, it was kind of like, I'm used to fasting short periods of time. Right. You know, I think the longest I fasted was maybe two months. Mm-hmm. Um, not consecutively. Yeah. That would be a miracle. 60 days. Huh? I mean, I'm not, not. I'm, <laughs> I'm messing with it. I'm messing with it. Was, my yeah, it was definitely wasn't, it wasn't a complete utter fast. But I was like, wow, we are. Yeah. We're in the presence of a great one. <laughs> um, but the point being that, you know, even that two-month fast had to do with a purpose right. that wasn't necessarily primarily on being closer to the Lord. But this person, once a week, doing this for two years, I mean, imagine um, what how your, your vision and your spiritual perception, how that would change over time right. if you did this and truly discipled your flesh, and sub, you know, yeah. get it under submission and it, really allow the Holy Spirit to show you beautiful things and um, it even takes me back to day one of our podcast last week uh it started off with pastor fred mock from um in san jose Mm -hmm. um and he talked about a prayer journal but what we just kind of recited was a fast journal and so for those of you that were really loving that prayer journal this is something maybe to add to your toolkit right uh, a fast journal um and just keep track of what god is showing you as you fast so just something that we were kind of both talking about. Um, we got a few minutes before we, about four minutes before we finish. I'm going to give you two and then I'll take the final two, but um, let's just talk about fasting for you. Just going forward, a vision for fasting in your life. Mm-hmm. You are a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. which um, is a full-time job in itself. Um, taking care of a child. Um, taking care of the household, mm-hmm. you got a nagging husband, <laughs> and so the, what for you in your space? Just mm-hmm. why don't you talk about a, a vision for fasting for you? How has this series mm-hmm. and this chapter inspired you? Uh, what's your outlook for fasting going forward? Okay, so I'm gonna start that by this one more quote that I had read from the book. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other good things. Mm. But in fasting, these things surface. 
if pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. Wow. And so, um, I was excited because ultimately I want to be, you know, a disciple, right. <laughs> a real disciple, a true disciple. And I do want to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so for me going forward, um, you know, I think that this will be a weekly discipline. Um, for me going forward, it will be the journal and it will be the focus on um, Jesus and what God is saying in his word and really dedicating to meditation because um, definitely with the pandemic and the 2020 <laughs> um, definitely allowed food and entertainment and distraction to really cover um, my passions for the word of God and for his presence. And so to see that kind of being burnt off in fasting, being burnt off in prayer and worship um, and seeing God kind of um, just revive, you know, you know, my desire for him. Um, that's where I'm going with this. This is, a, you know, a discipline. I'm definitely out of shape <laughs> in many ways, but spiritually, I want to get myself um, in line to be everything God died for me to live to be. So, Amen. Love that. I think for me, about a year and a half, I've felt the call to fast regularly. Um, and really, it was something that I would do reactionary or just kind of along with the church schedule, we do some sort of January fasting. Um, but I really felt the call to implement this rhythm regularly in my life. And so just the outlook for me in the future is um, just looking to develop weekly fasting rhythms. Um, you know, I'm not uh, by any stretch of imagination a monk or a holy man. And um, I don't want to be a hypocrite and tell everybody what I'm doing. I don't need your applause. But uh, just my outlook, I've been challenged to ask myself, what does it look like to partial fast or uh, normal fast uh, once a week? Um, uh, really forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, be encouraged, be inspired. Um, hopefully, uh, this rhythm of fasting is something that's, um, going from kind of the mystery or the rarity and it's becoming something that God is calling you on a more normal basis. And we'll leave you with this. Um, uh, fasting is abstaining, but I, I like what you said. And what Richard Foster said, fasting is feasting yeah. on the presence of Christ. And so um, we hope that you are learning to feast, taste, and see <laughs> that the Lord is good. Um, have a wonderful, wonderful day. We love you. Love you guys. Feasting is fasting. Or fasting is feasting. You're good. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you are inspired as we journey together to reorient our lives in life-giving practices as demonstrated in God's Word.